on today's episode of Go Book Yourself, the podcast that helps you master writing, marketing, and publishing one bite at a time. We're going to talk about how to create an outline for your book. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know in just a mo. Tune in to Go Book Yourself, powered by Helix Interactive, with your book coach and publishing expert, Hilary Jastrom. Crafting your outline is a curious activity. When I work with new authors and we jump into the deep end of the outline pool, dissecting everything that will go into it, there are many feelings of overwhelm. That's why this episode is important. It's going to teach you the elements that are included in your outline, all about your chapters, objectives, and the supportive bullet points. I promise I'll keep it interesting right after we love on up our sponsor. J-Hill Creative deserves some sugar today. They keep us on the air and their publishing imprint, Bookmark Publishing House, allows us to reach and help more authors. If you're ready to chat about your book, need help on your outline, if you just have questions about the book creation and publishing process, please visit J-Hill Creative, 1L.com, jhillcreative.com. Send us an email, we'll get back to you. On to the outline and how to get started. Before we go too much further into the woods there, I do want to do a recap of the positioning questions. I'm not gonna to spend too much time here and you can also find information about these questions on a previous podcast episode. But the reason that we're starting with these questions and that little recap is because we have to know who we're writing for. We can't just sit down and say, well, I'm going to write to everybody from 1 to 99 and it's all going to be relevant because it's not going to be relevant. As hard as it is to not include some people in your audience, that is going to make you that much more effective. So let's recap those questions super quick. The first positioning question is who is your ideal client? And we're boiling that down to demographics and psychographics. Demographics, where do they live? What is their income, etc.? What is their age? Psychographics have more to do with the emotional driving factor behind why people make decisions. I want to keep up with the Joneses. I only pay cash because I have a fear of banks, things of that nature. Number two is why is your book different? And you know, I'm going to drill this into your head. Your book has to be different and not only different, it has to be completely memorable. When people hear about it, they need to go, I will never forget about that book. And here's why. So-and-so took an existing situation, a concept, an approach, whatever the case is, and they spun it and they turned it into something completely unique and original. They refreshed it. Positioning question number three, what do you want your reader to do when they're done reading? And I like to divide this up into external and internal. External is you reaching out to the reader and saying, hey reader, I wanna get more comfortable with you. I want you to get closer to me. I want you to sign up for a phone call. So hit this free discovery link call right here. I want to talk to you about your business. You're using the book almost as a part of your sales closing process and getting that reader closer to you. Obviously this is applying toward nonfiction. 
if it is fiction, it might be something like, hey, come on and visit our website. We've got some plushies of our favorite characters. Internal is, it's pertaining to the reader. It doesn't really have a lot to do with you. You're helping people to better themselves. I use the example of maybe you're telling the reader, I want you to meditate for 10 minutes every single day. I don't care when it is, just make sure you do that. So helping them become better in their eyes, helping them achieve those individual goals. That's an internal goal. It doesn't have much to do with you. Number four, what problems does your book solve? So it's critically important that you know that. And the reason is because a reader picks up a book, not because they're in love with you. Well, maybe they are a little bit. I guess that's possible, right? But they pick up the book because they say, hey, I need help in this area. I want to improve in this area. Another thing that's really helpful to do as it pertains to these four positioning questions and you're crafting those ideal clients is you can create avatars. Generally, a book audience will be like any marketing audience. It'll be sliced up into slivers. The majority of that sliver is going to comprise those readers that make up the most of your audience. And then you'll have another set that's maybe, so maybe the first part is like 50%, the next part's, you know, 33%, etc. You finally get to that last part. And it's the remainder of that. I think it's, uh, if I'm doing this right, I think that's 17%. So that's how you would break it up. And those are the questions that you would answer. Once you've answered the questions, this is crazy and it might feel like, but I want to do something more than what I'm going to tell you. Just brainstorm and start free flowing. Get yourself into the habit of non-judgmental content creation in your head. Whatever that happens to be, just brainstorming, free flowing, removing all the rules. You can think about whatever it is. In some cases, it's really helpful to think about the most ridiculous thing and get it out of your head. It's kind of like if you're trying to think of the name of a song and you keep hanging up on the one song and it's wrong, it's similar, but it's wrong. You almost have to write that down somewhere. You have to excise that out of your body so that you can think of the correct song. So whatever those ideas are, I'm writing this book, boy, this is really far out, this idea I have, I'm not really sure about it. Great, put it down. You might not include it later, but at least you're going to put it down. I also don't want you to worry about the order. So many people get hung up on that. Well, I don't know what order this is going to go in. And I can't remember if I went to the restaurant before or after this critical time in my life. Doesn't matter right now. The only thing that matters are those moments that you're writing about that are sticking out to you. There's a reason that they are. That's your brain telling you, you should include this. Okay, great, include it, write it down. You will figure out where it goes later. That's also what an editor can help you do. They help you figure that out, that structure where it goes later. A beautiful thing about writing nonfiction books, particularly if you're in a memoir-esque category is that you've got a built-in buffer, which means that you don't have to say, 
you know, I've historically documented that I spoke to so-and-so on April 27th at 11, 11 a.m. You don't have to document that. There is a, a little bumper that's built in for you based on the genre that you're in that says, we understand and we assume as readers that you're going to create the story to the best of your ability. You might have to dramatize some pieces. You might have to create some dialogue that is an approximation of what happened and that's completely fine. When you share your story and when you'll go deeper into some of these pieces, think about your storytelling as if you're sitting around a campfire and you're really immersing yourself in the process. I like the analogy of the campfire because when we're around a campfire, we are letting it go. We know that we're sitting there for the purpose of relaxation, for catching up, for unclenching our jaws, our teeth, our shoulders. We are there to be in the moment. That's why campfires exist. We're not supposed to rush through them. We're supposed to enjoy them. Some of the most beautiful things about the pastimes of our lives is that, for instance, vacation is designed to get you to relax. So, so many people who want permission to do that. I'm giving you permission right now when you're storytelling. You're around that campfire in your head. I'm here. How am I going to tell my story? If you think about those campfire stories, they are long and winding sometimes. And I'm not urging you to go in that direction. But they are full of description. You know, the night stalker walked toward the couple sitting in their car, the bloody hook hanging off his hand. That is how you're drawing out the story. The woman rolled down her window, looked him in his red eyes and screamed, get out of here. You'll see dialogue, you'll see description, really beefing up that narrative. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Enjoy the outline process. So when we do an outline as it pertains to your book and what I'm talking about today mostly has to do with the nonfiction book. There are some pieces that have to do with the fiction as well, but understand if you are not publishing through traditional giant house mammoth publishers like Random House, Simon & Schuster, etc. A lot of this can relate to you anyways because as the author in the new digital publishing world, you get to say, I want my book to be this way. I start out letting the author knowing, we'll talk about the foreword first. The foreword is written by another person. You're just using this as a placeholder right now. We're not thinking about it too much. I know I'm going to have the foreword written by another person. It's going to be an influencer in the field. They are going to contribute and they are going to enhance my particular book. And it's just going to be a great experience for myself and the reader. Put the reader first for the reader and myself. Next is the intro. You may not have this if you're writing a nonfiction book. You might. You absolutely might if you have an interesting story behind your book. It's a great idea. It's another marketing aspect. If you are writing 
a nonfiction book, I highly encourage an introduction because the introduction explains to the reader, this is what you're about to encounter throughout the entire book. And the reader does read that. The reader says, I'm using the introduction as a gauge to make a decision about if I want to go further. So you're sharing with them, these are the problems that I'm solving for you. This is what you can expect to read about. This is the order in which I wrote it and why I wrote it this way. You're letting them know those things. You're also customizing their experience. So you might even say in the introduction, and I've said this multiple times, if you're having problems dealing with self-confidence and you need some pointers right now today, turn to page 87. You are customizing that experience for the reader. When it comes to outlines, it's important to know that there are formats that are acceptable in your genre and in the book publishing world. Take a look at some of the books that you love the best and examine those outlines in the order in which the information is being shared with you. One of my favorite outlines is called, I call it the blockbuster. It just means that you're starting with the riveting details. You're sharing what is going to draw the reader in. Think of your life as one of those Hollywood rags like the Enquirer. You know, you're reading about these moments, the pit or the peak in somebody else's life. Oh my gosh, that's horrific. I can't, I can't even believe it. I must read more. Or, wow, they're filming in Malta? This guy came from nothing? Look where he is now. This is incredible. We're celebrating with him. The pit and the peak. What you often do, and you'll see this in those blockbuster movies, is you start with that action, then you go backwards in time. How did we get here? Once we reach how we got there, how we got to the car explosion, how we got to the pit or the peak, we're moving forward into the present and leaving the reader with where we are currently today. So that is one option for you in terms of your outline. And I only want you to think about the formatting options once you feel empty. You've gotten out everything that you want to talk about. Again, not necessarily defining the order in which you'll talk about it, but just knowing I'm going to talk about this story. I'm going to talk about this story, this story. Great. And then you're empty. That's fine. Now we can think about the formatting. What order is that going to go in? Another type of formatting that is popular, especially as it pertains to nonfiction books, is the half and half. I did this with my second book, Six Success, where I'm sharing my quasi-memoir, and I call it that because it's not my entire memoir. Mine is flashes of light. They're flashes of strips of the film that I'm sharing with people. And on the back end then are mindset chapters, mindset content that the reader can use to help them overcome some of the li limiting beliefs that they have about themselves. So that's the half and half. You might 
see this with other nonfiction books as well. Another example is Stephen King's On Writing. This book was written by him. It is his only autobiographical, confirmed and approved biography that he put out there, his autobiography that he put out there. But he doesn't go very much in depth into it. He uses up half of the book. The back half are all writing tips, which I encourage you to explore because it's one of the best books out there on writing by a master. So if you want to have a better understanding of what that half and half looks like, that's what it would be. You're sharing those relevant moments in the first half of the book, what I like to call flashbulb moments, whether they're life lessons, experiences, memories, whatever they are, they formed you and shaped you. You can split yourself into before you experienced it and after you experienced it. You were a different person. Then on the back end, you can talk about this is why I shared this with you to let you know my experience. And I'm pulling out the lessons from those experiences and putting them in the back half of the book. The third format that you can explore is the chronological format with backstories woven in to support those points in what you're telling people. So chronological doesn't mean I'm gonna get nitty gritty. Chronological means I'm stating in the order in which it happened, those flashbulb moments and memories and the life lessons that I learned. When I was seven, I learned this. It was a defining moment. When I was 10, I learned this. It was a defining moment and so on and so forth. And so you string out those events to talk about your chronology and you weave in the lessons at that point. You weave in the backstories to support that content. A lot of what you're doing has to do with genre. So the reason that you're choosing that format has to do with genre. I tell the story of once upon a time when I was writing Killing Carl 2Ks. I decided I just, I had this brilliant idea one day. Oh, I'm going to make the protagonist into a killer. I'm going to do it. This version, this was about version three or four, maybe even five. I was deep in the thicket with this book. And I said, that's it. I'm going to surprise the reader. It'll be, it'll be amazing. They'll never see it coming. And my editor said, absolutely not. There's no way. Because you will betray the reader. They want to experience this story with you. They want to like the character. They're developing feelings for the character. They're getting attached to it. So if you turn this person that they love and that they admire into a killer, bye-bye reader, that's it. That's the way it's going to be. You also want an outline before you even get started because you want to ensure that you are going to be competitive. Competitive to the books that are out in the market today, all the books that are out in the digital publishing world and the paperback and the hardcover publishing world, at Barnes and Noble, wherever you happen to be, you want to make sure that your book can stand up. This is an actual structure 
and backbone. It's the spine of the book, really. It's a nice little pun there for you. It's the spine of the book, but it is. It's almost more important than the content of the book itself. Do spend some time on your outline. Don't be afraid of it. And I'll tell you what, when you are doing it right, this thing looks like a hot, hot mess. It is just a hot mess. That's all wrong. My formatting's off and I'm supposed to put this over here and I've got this highlighted and great. That means that you're working, you're kneading the dough, you're kneading the meatloaf with your hands. You're getting it to the state where it's ready to move on to the next chapter. Every chapter in your book should have an objective. Why am I talking about this content right here? What is this chapter about? We need to know what is going on with this chapter. What is the purpose of it? This is the time that I stole the car and I drove down to the Coliseum and I freed all the penguins. Okay, great. So if you that's what you're writing about, then you're going to have those supported bullet points. One, I went over to the dealership and I stole the car. Then talk about how I was on a crazy ride trying to keep ahead of the police on my way to get the penguins. Then you went and you got the penguins. Then you liberated the penguins. You got them in the back seat. So every chapter has an objective. I'm going to talk about I bought my first commercial building. This is my first real estate purchase. Well, what supports that story? I took the money that I had been saving up or I took the money when I decided not to buy a house. We were gonna stay in the same house instead of buying another one. We took that money and we bought a commercial real estate building. I went to the bank. They said, no way, we can't do this. You need more money. I had to go make more money. I had to find a way to do it. Finally got it, went there, got the commercial building. I stepped inside, it was mine. You get where, what I'm talking about. And each of these chapters should string along one to the next. Diagramming a book, because that is really what it is called, is diagramming a book where when we talk about traditional diagramming of a book, it plays off of characters. So diagramming a book, the protagonist plays off the antagonist. Whatever your fiction character, main character is doing is playing off their arch nemesis. When we look at Cinderella, everything she's trying to do is to get to that ball and the stepmother is stepping in and saying directly, no, I'm reacting to the actions that you've taken and you're not doing it. Cinderella then takes another action. The stepmother says, nope, now I'm going to lock you in the cellar. Cinderella is... She's got an old gown hanging around and a bunch of fairy tale metal friends. They make the gown. Well, how is she going to get out of there? Then her, her godmother appears. So there's always an obstacle. You can't go to the ball. Well, what if I clean everything? Fine, you can clean everything. Then you can go to the ball. Okay, I've cleaned everything. Okay, now it's too late for you to go. But I really want to go and you said I could. Nope, now I'm going to lock you in the room. They're playing off of each other. It's very 
feasible for you to do the same thing in your book. Chapter 1 plays off chapter 2, plays off chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Step back for a minute. It's critically important to step back. You can't just be constantly submerged in your work. You will feel like you are drowning and you will lose perspective. So you have to step back and go, okay, I lined everything up. I think it sounds pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away. I'm going to walk away for two, three hours. I'm going to do something completely brainless. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to go to that campfire, the bonfire outside my house. We have a new thing we're doing lately. We play cornhole. I don't know if you guys know this game or not. It's really fun. You just throw bean bags into these holes and these wooden boards. And that's what you do. And you just play it until you're really tired and hot and sweaty. <laughs> but it's like anybody can play it. It is absolutely fabulous and is totally mindless. The only thing you're thinking about is how do I get this bean bag into this hole? It's fantastic. It's the best money we've spent in a long time. So you walk away, you come back. Does my chapter order make sense? How I'm talking about this, one thing to keep in mind is that before we launch into any sort of integrative experience with a reader and a concept, we have to introduce the concept. So I'm going to define it. So I have to take a step back there. We have to define the concept. We define the concept. We introduce the concept. We likely provide examples of the concept to help them understand. We can speak about the concept. We can let them know these are the lessons I want you to take out of the concept. We can recap those lessons. We can give them questions or actions, otherwise known as actionable content that they need to take. So those are the things that you think about. Well, how am I going to introduce this? You know, I'm going to drive home the point that you need to be reader centric because you do. You do. You so need to be reader centric. You will sink your ship if there is any inkling that you did not write this book for your reader. Don't forget to include your own social proof. If this is your nonfiction book geared toward business, entrepreneurship, being a business owner, bringing in new clients, pressing the existing ones, a book is social proof. It reinforces your credibility. I've said it before. It's the new business card. You are in the 96th percentile if you, I'm sorry, you're in the 4th percentile. The 96th percent are the people who don't actually write their book. When you ask your reader questions, you want to take some time. What questions are the most valuable to you and them? Questions like, what are you doing now pertaining to this particular topic? And what can you do to improve your situation? You're giving them a hand, a light in the dark. Your book will be more successful when you're less about telling your story without any explanation or invitation to the reader to join you. 
If you extend your hand in the dark and you say, I shared this with you to help you, and here's how, this is what helped me. I asked myself this question, what am I doing now? Okay, I'm going to write it down and be honest about it. This is how I'm handling this particular piece of my life now. What can I do to make it better? What do I want to do is a huge one. Reader, what do you want to do? Why isn't this working? What aren't you getting? And ask those questions. Have them take that tough dive into themselves. Even in nonfiction books, you can focus on a character's arc. And a character's arc has to do with their journey. Where they came from, where they're going, what happened, what they learned, and how we're wrapping it up at the end. This is a very predictable and well-received way of delivering content to your reader. Of course, it applies to fiction. But it does apply to nonfiction as well, and it helps to think about it in that capacity. I was here, I got sick, I had this journey, I got better, I'm here now. So you can see the arc. I'm here, I'm at the bottom, I'm arcing up, I'm having this dream going through treatment, I'm all the way at the top here, now I'm getting better. This is what I've learned, I'm at the bottom. So if you can't see my hand, but I'm making a rainbow motion. Include emotional confessionals that you can liken as if this is a peek into your diary it makes you human it makes you vulnerable vulnerable is the new sexy when it comes to books it draws the reader to you well, i relate to that i know how that guy feels i've been there or wow that is one hell of a choice he had to make i can't even imagine doing that. My heart goes out to him. Readers also love a cliffhanger or foreshadowing. Definitely including this in your nonfiction books as well as your fiction. I meant to flip those in your fiction books as well as your nonfiction. It works very well, especially when you're talking about the blockbuster book, the end of the chapter, there I was. I lost everything, mom, my belly in the gutter. My best friend's a rat. What else could happen? I thought that was it. I thought that was my rock bottom. I was wrong. What do you mean you were wrong? I gotta read now to figure this out. Or foreshadowing. A little bit of the same. Foreshadowing is when content is shared that will feed into an eventual event. So you're going to meet the mob guy right outside the door, right outside the deli door. You're going to meet him. And that is going to lead into later that mob guy is going to crop back up. And he's going to become a pivotal character in the book. Maybe he's going to wreck your life. You don't know what's going to happen. You see foreshadowing in some of those medical dramas. I pay attention to this. It's interesting. Somebody will be having a conversation and one of the characters will just start coughing their head off. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. 
why would they be doing that? Why would they be showing that? And sure enough, then it turns out later, you know, they, they're dying of asbestos or something along those lines. So readers love that. It contributes to lopeability. It contributes to them not being able to put the book down. That's obviously one of our goals when we're writing a book is we never want that reader to put it down. We want them to call in sick to work. We want them to be tired and just exhausted and laying on the floor and feeling like this was amazing. I'd do it again. Then you know your book is a success. Some nonfiction books also include a final section recap where you can list out the lessons you shared with your reader. I like this option. Anything that's convenient for the reader and can direct them immediately to a hub where they can gather information is a great option for them. It's helpful for them. It wasn't necessarily that you put this in for yourself. It doesn't really benefit you in any way. It does benefit the reader. Perfect, I'm gonna go here. I forgot about chapter three's lesson, but I know it was really important. And I remembered that I wanted to remember it. So great, I beat you to the punch and here it is. I meet you where you are. You can have this content now. And the last thing we're going to talk about is the call to action. The call to action applies to fiction and nonfiction books. I work primarily in nonfiction books and the call to action might be a marketing piece as we talked about earlier. It might be sign up for your free 15 minute discovery call here and here's the link. Customize that link people. I have seen some of the longest wonkiest ugliest links that you could ever imagine. Just a bunch of gobbledygook strung together. Customize that link. bit.ly.com bit.ly.com will help you customize that link and make sure it's memorable. We absolutely cannot have an ugly long ass link. We just can't. Nobody's going to go there. I'm not going to do anything. So your call to action is designed to draw the reader closer to you. As we talked about a little bit earlier, it might be that discovery call. It might be that I am going to share a PDF with you. This PDF is going to be part of the experience that I want you to have if it pertains to your business. For instance, I'm gonna tell you how to create your own profit and loss sheet. I'm just pulling that right out of the air. Or I'm going to tell you how to do a breakdown of making your commercial property profitable. I'm going to share with you financial guidance. This is a new budget that I just came up with for your home. These are little gifts and pieces that you can give your reader. Those are the calls to action. Many times in the nonfiction sector, we are looking at, this book is a marketing piece. It's the longest, most intricate, polished marketing piece available. You can have a call to action in your fiction book too. Reach out to me here, read more about the author here. Here are some other books that they've written. Take this 
test and see what kind of character you are in the book. Are you the dragon? Are you the dog? Are you the sunflower seed? I don't know. <laughs> I'd be the sunflower seed. Warm and salty. That's me. As always, I hope these tips were helpful in moving you forward over the writing road and over obstacles. If you'd like to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, please visit jhill1lcreative.com, jhillcreative.com, and send me an email. We'll get started. Now, isn't it time to go book yourself? You know where to go. I want to thank you so much for listening today. Until next time, authors, write on.